What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Coming up on episode 200, we had a Monday rundown on a Friday for episode 196. Sean and I jumped right in and we talked NBA first. Uh, finished up the regular season, had some playing games. Was definitely a lot of fun. Following that, we talked a little bit of golf. It is a major week this week. And then we talked baseball. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Check out the website, SorrySports.com, and enjoy the podcast. We will talk to you guys next week. episode 196 we are four away from 200 uh, another week's gone by and we are playoff eve tonight tom how you doing buddy doing all right man week's been hectic but glad it's over with how are you i'm doing well man i'm just really excited uh really dialed into what's gonna happen tomorrow i really like this week of playing games and uh, i'm kind of ready to go i'm sure you are too with your knicks in the four seed Absolutely, man. I am I am fired up. Uh, the Knicks are obviously the talk of the town. Sorry, Brooklyn Nets. You never will be, but there's you know, no sorry. It's, it's you guys obvious. are the better team, but uh, Knicks are Knicks will always be the talk of the town. They sold out. Uh, I don't know if they're at full capacity, but I know they sold out whatever they could. Um, getting that ticket is most likely a pretty penny, so I'd rather just watch it for free on my couch. Um, yeah, man, just hyped, hyped for the both of us, excited for the playoffs. Playing games, aside from the Lakers game thus far, I think there's one left, might be going on right now with the Warriors and the Grizz. Uh, kind of a dud, but comparing it to not having anything when there wasn't playing games, I love them. It's here to stay, right? And by the way, Grizzlies are up 39-35 with nine minutes left in the second quarter. I think it's I think it's here to stay, don't oh, you? Absolutely. I think just based off of the Curry LeBron game alone, it's here to stay. If you can line yourself up to have that once in a blue moon, and I know the Lakers are the proverbial favorite, even though they were a seven seed due to weird circumstances, but if you can line your up line yourselves up for even one out of four games being like that, I mean come on. Oh, I thought it was brilliant. And I I, I was so keyed in and I was That might have been the game of the year. I I I think it kinda was given the circumstances, right? That seven eight and obviously you mentioned it's a great Lakers, game too. getting into that seven seed, LeBron hitting that shot with the I saw the three rims. Um unbelievable shot by him but I, I think this is here to stay because it, it captivated the general audience because otherwise why would you be interested in whomever the seven or the eight seed was now it's whoever earned that seven or eight seed by playing each other I think it was great yeah couldn't agree more and LeBron in a different life or maybe in this life after basketball is over should be a uh, should be a drama writer Oh my God! And he he doubled down on it. He said it again in the post game press conference after he said it with I believe Lisa Salter's post game. The I saw the three rims. This is not. This is just common for LeBron now. Yeah, I think he legitimately has a future as. You know, I know he's on the other side of the camera as an actor, but I think he's got a future as a writer as well. 
<laughs> he can uh, you know drop the perfect script, right? I mean, it's it's pretty ridiculous. And Steph, I thought, was great afterwards saying, yeah, I think I've seen this before because there was flashbacks to that Kyrie shot in 16. Yeah, absolutely. Steph was incredible throughout the game. Um, I don't think it's enough to get the MVP. Jokic is still my MVP, but he is right there. Yeah, Jokic is the MVP. I think he has been for about a month now, but Steph is making this Warriors picture look really pretty, right? I mean, heading into next year, they've got a, le- a lot of flexibility with their roster, and they might have the Minnesota pick. If it's not a top three, it goes to Golden State, which could be four, five, six, or seven. Yeah, percentages on that are like 75-ish percent that they're going to get that pick. And in a draft where it's like seven or eight deep, yeah. according to most experts. Yeah, Clay coming back next year. They're going to have cap space. It's it's going to be exciting. And Draymond has awoken in the second half of the season. I, I really hope they win this game against Memphis tonight. No disrespect to Memphis, but it would obviously be so much cooler to see Steph play against Utah no matter how that series goes. It would just be really cool to see him in the playoffs yet again, even though we know they're not a real title contender. Ja, he's going to have years, and I, I do like this Memphis team, but uh, selfishly as a, as a casual NBA fan of other teams, not my team, I hope that... Uh, We're more than casual. Give yourself a little credit. <laughs> maybe, maybe. We are definitely more than casual. Around the league, for sure, uh, specifically the East, around the West, uh, maybe less so, but anyway, man, let's dive into these playoffs because because we are on the eve of the NBA actual playoffs, where four games are tomorrow, and your Knicks play on Sunday night at the Garden, where they're going to host fifteen thousand fans and the Atlanta Hawks. So let's start with the Eastern Conference. I want to get some predictions and some thoughts of players and. You know, just kind of overall feelings around these series. So let's start with Heat Bucks. They tip off at 1 p.m. tomorrow. And the Heat got the better of the Bucks in the bubble last year. And is there any revenge tomorrow? I know the, the Bucks are a little more revamped. They've got Holiday this year. How do you see the series going? I think the Bucks are going to win. I think Giannis got hurt last year and they clearly didn't have enough. Bledsoe was poop in the playoffs. Um, George Hill didn't do anything for him. So if you got rid of those two and you replace it with a much better all-around player and Drew Holiday, not to mention Giannis being healthy, I think the Bucks will probably take this one in five. Five, huh? Yep. Uh, maybe the Heat get one game. That's interesting because there is some traction with Miami. I think a lot of people don't want to count them out because Hero and Robinson have been playing very well down the stretch. I hear all that. I just think... So have the Bucks, you know? They have. No, they have. And this is their time to shine, right? Like, this is I, – I, outside of Charles Barkley, I don't think anyone's predicting the Bucks to get to the finals. And they're probably saying, well, we've been here for the last few years. I'm sure Philly's saying the same thing. We'll talk about them in a minute. But I, I don't know. I, to me, Milwaukee is the much better team. But there's something about the Heat that I just don't like to count out, even if they're not the better team. You got Jimmy Butler, Bam's playing at a, at a really high level. Like I mentioned, Robinson and Hero are playing better. I think the series goes six. I'll still take Milwaukee, but I think the Heat are going to give them a little bit more of a fight. Okay, I hear that, and things will be bouncing. It's probably full capacity down in Florida. I, I think it has been. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> it probably has been. Was there a pandemic in Florida? 
No, I don't think so. I don't think it ever happened. Yeah. DeSantis, DeSantis said that there is a uh, there is no pi- no pandemic uh, policy here, so we're we're set to go. And anybody that wants to come, come on by. Sounds good to me. I'll see you down there. <laughs> there you go. Speaking of down there, we're gonna we're gonna talk Knicks Hawks. Uh, although the series is starting in New York, four seed baby, go New York, go New York, go. You had to be so hyped, bro, when you finished that game against Boston on Sunday. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because I, I watched that game from end to end, and it was it was a tough game to watch because the Knicks muck up everything, and they're not an easy team to watch. And also on top of that, the Celtics had, I wouldn't even call it their B team. I would call it their C team. Um, so it, Summer it was, League team. Yeah, and it, yeah, G League Summer League team, but the fact that they still made it close and we had to eke that one out, it was tough, but... I was so happy. I am over the moon to be a top four seed, have home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, listen, if you told me at the beginning of the year that we made the play-in game, I'd be happy. So you can only imagine how I feel right now. Well, you know, you had to finish the season off in typical Nick style, which is, well, you know, we're gonna we're not going to make this game easy and we're going to grit and grind and, and get this W, which is exactly what they did. I see the series going six in the Knicks' favor, man. I'm right there with you. Same page. Six games, I- Knicks are going to take it. It's it's not going to be pretty. The Hawks are going to get hot in at least one, probably two, if we both think that. Games, Trey Young's going to get some foul calls. He shouldn't. Bogdanovich is going to play well. They'll get two, but the Knicks are going to win. Have you seen Randall's numbers in the three games that they've beaten the Hawks in this year? They're insane. I think it's like 37 points a game. They absolutely own the Hawks, but it gets turned up to a different level in the playoffs. I don't know if that really matters for this series, being that on both sides, most of the players in these games, except for, I don't know, maybe on the Knicks side at least, Taj Gibson and uh, and Derek Rose, don't have any playoff experience, but they're going to learn quick. You know what's really funny is I in every series I look at who are the best five players in the series and the team that possesses the three best or the four best are probably going to be favorites right and I drew this out and I want to I want to know if you agree at all I have Randall as the best Trey Young John Collins Bogdanovich and then I have kind of a tie between Rose and Barrett. But I still feel a lot of confidence in the Knicks, despite yeah. the fact that they don't have the best players because of the I, style of play in which they have. And Thibodeau as a coach is such exactly. an upgrade over McMillan. Took the words right out of my mouth. I think you got to throw Thibodeau on that list probably before the number three player. And then you got to throw number four, the Knicks style of basketball. That is the anti-Hawks. And, and I think those two outweigh your, your bottom players, which I completely agree with you uh, on that list. But I, I think that the Knicks' style and Tibbs are, are going to outweigh the, the Hawks' ancillary pieces. You made a great point with talking about, you know, the, the Knicks as a team, they're, they're just going to kind of, they're just going to kind of muck it up, right? Like they're not, they're not going to play a style that's super appealing. But my God, are they going to make you work for every single thing? And you also hit on the Trey Young component. He's not going to get some of the calls that he gets in the regular season. And this is his first rodeo in the playoffs, and he's going to have to learn that. And I Trey Young is going to be public enemy number one in New York due to the amount of bitching. 
Oh, yeah. And and he's going to get frustrated fast, and that's where the Knicks can capitalize. How do you feel about the Alfred Payton component? Because there's been a lot of talk around the city in the last week of them benching him and putting Rose in. A, I really think Payton is a fine starter because in the NBA these days, as you well know, I don't give a shit about who starts. I care about who finishes. And Rose coming in off the bench, I think, is a much more valuable piece than Peyton starting. Just got to alert the Yankees beat the White Sox 2-1. to one. Great. Hey. And, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think part of the component of why, and people don't want to admit this as Knicks fans, part of the component as to why Rose is playing so well might be because he's playing second unit guys. And this is what's got us here even since we got Rose over here. So why change it now? There's no reason to. And Thibodeau hinted at that when he was speaking to the media. He was like, listen, this is this is what we, we've run with. This is what's gotten us here. And we think Peyton is, is a pretty valuable player. And for however Knicks fans feel about him, obviously the Knicks in the building think highly of him and higher of him than the fans do. And that's all that matters. And you bring Rose off the bench and he might get you a nice 22 or 24 piece. And you're going to look back on a win and say him coming off the bench, beating that second unit that the Hawks threw out there was the catalyst for a victory. Absolutely. If you want to ask me if they need to improve the, the Alfred Payton position in the off season, then yeah, you got a point there. But when it comes to changing the starting lineup currently constituted, no. This is the best they've got right now, and ten games over five hundred, baby. Ten we just, fucking games. We literally just echoed each other on that. that I know. Was beautiful. I'm over Look at moon. us. I'm over the moon. This is, the Yankees are playing pretty well. We'll talk about them in a little bit. There's. Playoff baseball, basketball in New York. Baseball oh. is an absolute shambles as a sport, but the Yankees are playing well. Somehow they keep winning. Um, speaking of New York basketball, that we'll just keep rolling with. Celtics and the Nets. The Celtics beat the Wizards in their play-in game to draw the seven seed, and they get the privilege of playing my Brooklyn Nets. I see this series going five. I think Tatum has a game in him where he just goes absolute ape shit like he did hitting for 50 in that Wizards game and they might win a game it either might be early in this series where they'll punk Brooklyn in Brooklyn or they'll get a game three or four to stave off elimination in Boston but I think this is going to be a pretty easy series and the Nets will waltz to the second round give me a sweep in this one I don't care about Tatum's 50 piece when you have three guys that can score 50 at any minute on the other team um, I think the Celtics laid down when Jalen Brown went ahead and got that surgery early. Give me the Nets making a statement when they finally have their big three playing together, and they're going to sweep. Part of you think that Boston was really pissed with Tatum, thinking they were just going to like, listen, we just kind of want to go home here. A little tiny bit, but also you got to be happy. The guy didn't want to send, you know, as a fan, you don't, you don't want to get embarrassed, and your guy just goes out and and says I'm the best player on the floor. I'm going to go and grab 50 on the Wizards and beat him myself. Yeah, you have to absolutely respect that, right? And great job by Boston and great job by Tatum. And I do think that they'll get a game in this series, but if Brooklyn is totally locked in, which it sounds like they're going to be, and they're as healthy as they've been all year, this really should be pretty uncompetitive. Uh, and I'm looking forward to game one tomorrow night in Brooklyn, which is also a sellout. So let's get to the final series, which is finally locked in in the Eastern Conference, which is the Sixers and the Wizards. 
To me, I actually kind of see Washington winning twice in this series. I have Philly winning in six, but not a super like close six games. Mm. Just the Wizards win two, and you look back and like, oh, that was cute. But they're they've got Beal and Westbrook, which is low key one of the best backcourts in the NBA, if not the best backcourt in the NBA in the last like five weeks. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they're going to grab two, and then Embiid's going to grab the series by the D. Simmons has not been playing well post-All-Star break, but hopefully he turns it on um, for this series because they really need him to guard up on Beal and switches and Westbrook when he's facing him up. I think if there's anybody that can neutralize Westbrook's just absolute craziness, it's the best perimeter defender in the league and Ben Simmons. And not to mention you have probably another top five perimeter defender in Thibel. You know, I'm gonna, after I'm talking myself into it, I'm going to change it to five. Yeah, that's fair. And if you look at the records and you look at the standings of these two teams. Listen, Beal has a little bit of a hamstring. And then the combination of those two absolute dogs on defense going up against those guys, especially with Beal being a little bit compromised. For that reason, I'm going to say they're going to grab one game where Russell Westbrook just has a crazy stat line. But we're going to look back and it's going to feel like a sweep. It could go four, it could go five, it could go six. There's no way it goes seven. And I think in either way, Philly wins pretty easily because even if it does go five or six, I don't see that final game being all that close. But as a Net fan, I would kind of like to see Philly get worked a little bit. you know. And and they've been coasting. And you've got this Wizards team that's basically been playing playoff games for the last six weeks. So they might just carry this in. I mean, they got demolished by Jason Tatum single-handedly on on Tuesday night, and then they go into Indiana, who disposed of the Charlotte Hornets. I didn't even think Charlotte showed up to the game. Yeah, and I really got okie doked by that one because <laughs> I I bet the Indiana money line big, and that game was not even close. And then I lost another bet on the uh, on gambling for. Um, Patrick Reed really fucked me in my matchup parlay that I had for the PGA Championship, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Rough one for you. Yeah, I continue. I mean, I already hated Patrick Reed, but now I hate him even more. Well, now he he, he expounds upon. Well, that now I have now I just I just hated him because I thought he was an idiot and an asshole. But I do love cheaters, so I had a soft now he spot took for money him. From you. Yeah, but now it's a personal thing, so I don't care that he's a cheater. I wish he would have cheated yesterday. <laughs> there you go well he didn't so you're screwed and uh we'll see what the wizards do but i mean the sixers should win this series pretty easily no matter how many games it goes um five or six you have five i have six um let's go into the west so first of all tom what did you make i know we kind of touched upon it at the beginning but let's talk a little bit more about that lakers warriors game because i really did think the Warriors were going to take that game, and I thought it was as good of a basketball game as I've seen, honestly, the entire year. Yeah, they saved the best for last for the regular season, if you want to count that as that. Um, uh, You know what, from the Lakers' perspective, their big men uh, look kind of washed. I think they're going to work in and out in certain matchups because Drummond just does not look that great. But then when you just have LeBron and AD doing what they do, it's going to be hard to stop them. Yeah, it is, and I feel bad for Phoenix because they, they drew the best team in the West as a seven seed after all the work they put in. But Unbelievable. To, this has like never Gold- happened before. 
No, God no. You work Absolutely your ass not. off all regular season to go fifty-one and twenty-one, get the two seed, and then you play the reigning champions and probably the favorites to win the championship because it's a weird year and they had got injured. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, have fun. Um, but no, I thought that game was so great, and obviously, I thought the big three I'll call just in the game: Steph for the Warriors, and then AD and LeBron for the Lakers. They didn't get off to good starts at all. Their first halves outside of Steph's buzzer beater to end the second quarter, it, it was pretty mundane and, and you know, non-inspiring. Not but they, they showed up to the party late. Who do you see for the Wiz- or the Wizards? I'm sorry, for the Lakers, as right now I'm watching, Memphis is killing Golden State with uh, up 15 with 317 left. Who did you see for the Lakers that you look as a key outside of the top two? For that series against uh, Phoenix coming up, for me with Phoenix, I I think it's Caruso. Mm. Because listen, AD alone, if you want to go small, or if you want to throw in Drummond and or Gasol or even Harrell, it's gonna the front line of the Suns is not that great. You have Aiton, you have Saric. I think that's it. They have the other guy that used to be on the Celtics, the the shooter. Who is it? I forgot his name. Oh, Aaron Baines. Yeah, they, those three guys are going to get abused by any big man they have. So I think Caruso, as well as obviously um, KCP, are going to be important because they're going to be the focal points on defense. They're going to be the ones who are guarding Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And if you can keep those guys somewhat tame then you're this series is going to be really easy and you're going to win in five or six but if you really let chris paul dictate the game and you let devin booker get a 30 piece or a 40 piece then you're going to be going seven in this series did you think lebron was kind of just holding it in knowing that he was going to go all out in the second half after his first half performance or do you think he was actually battling through an injury i gotta be honest i i think that the reason why, and this is just because all three of the major players in this game, or the the you want you call it the big three, sucked. I just don't think they were. I mean, I know the arena wasn't full, but this game mattered. It seemed like the first real big game to happen since COVID with fans. The place was rocking, and I just don't think that they were ready for that kind of energy. And then, obviously, they're great players. They adjusted in the second half. That's an interesting take. I hadn't thought about that at all. That's what we sure. that's what we do, Sean. Uh, <laughs> that is what we do, Tom. I got you. And I I just hearken back to LeBron to feed your point was when the whole pandemic started and he was saying, Well, if we're not playing in front of fans, then who who cares? You know, I'm not playing if I'm not playing in front of fans. Well, this gave him that extra energy, I suppose, because if maybe you're right, if this is a empty staple center and it isn't you're not getting that ancillary support from from the uh from the crowd yeah maybe golden state steals that game who knows yeah and and i just think maybe maybe lebron especially lebron ad a little bit but lebron as well just start just continue their lollygagging i guess you would say through the second half yeah, lollygagging is a fair is a fair term to use. I, I felt the same way. All right, so let's talk about this Lakers Sun series. I have it going six. You? Yeah, I'm going to go six as well because I don't think I think Chris Paul, just the style that he plays and the way he takes command of the game can't be contained 
like some like a Westbrook could just because he's he's a battering ram, uh, and Simmons might be able to contain him with Thibel. I think Chris Paul's too smart for that, and I think he's going to play smart, and he's going to be able to to eke out a couple of wins. Yeah, too good of a team not to win at least two, but. This is the Lakers we're talking about, and the size discrepancy between these two teams. I mean, it's it's actually cruel at some points to how much the Lakers can manhandle the Suns down low with size. So I think it'll be fun series. I, I think a lot of the games are going to be close. How about you? Yeah, I definitely think a lot of the games are going to be close. There might be one blowout on either side tucked in there, but the rest of them should be you know four or five-point games. Yeah, I, I see it going that way, too. Let's talk Mavs Clippers. I think this is going to be a really fun series. I mean, Luka had the walk-off jumper in the bubble last year, but the Clippers won that series pretty easily before they lost to Denver. Right now, listen, I, I don't know what KP is. I never know what KP is. Luka's been playing at a high Sean, level. Sean, did the Knicks win that trade? No. Um <laughs> No, we're not talking. It's like asking, it's honestly like asking, did the Nets win the Celtics trade? Yeah, they might get a title before Boston does, though. Doesn't have any relevance to the trade. Of course. Boston traded KP for open cap space that they didn't get, other than Julius Russell, I guess, for you. Thank you you for getting his name right. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, so Mavs Clippers here. I see the Clippers winning this series in six. I think Luka and the Mavs will be able to pull out two. Again, a lot of these series I have going six because I've seen a lot of one-sided six-game series before, specifically the Eastern Conference when the LeBron Cavs were running through the Raptors. But I think Luka's good enough to get two in this series, but I think the Clippers will win pretty easily, and I see them getting a couple of these games by double digits. Agreed, man. Give me six, and I think the Clippers will probably win all four of their wins by ten or more, but Dallas will be able to steal two, maybe at home. Yeah. I, I Again, I'm just looking back at, like, the best players in this series, and I'm just like, well, you got Kawhi, okay, Luka, but then Paul George. I throw Porzingis in there, but then you got, like, playoff Rondo. You got Marcus Morris. You got Zubac, who's a nice interior player you got a Baca I I think it's pretty easy Nuggets Blazers I think is going to be a really interesting series I actually have this going seven yeah yes tell Mm -hmm. me why you have it going seven I think that it's going to be a massive back and forth and you know it's just it's because McCollum's almost fully back and Dame is Dame and right now it's I don't know if you checked your watch but it's Dame time Oh, it's Dame time. And they have three of the five best players in the series. And actually, you could maybe make an argument they have four if Carmelo is killing it off the bench. Because I'm looking at Denver, and they have the MVP in Jokic. Who's the next best player on this team? Porter. Porter's been incredible this year, Sean. So I have him five. Whoa! Now, if I were going to rank him honestly off the top of my head, I would go Jokic one, Dame two, probably Porter three. Mm, I got Dave McCollum and Powell ahead of him. Mm, no, no. Dude, Porter's averaging like fucking 24 points a game. I know what his numbers are, but I'm looking forward to the playoffs. And I just think that I trust the other guys as next-level scorers outside of Dame than I trust more. Because as good as Porter is, I could see him having a game where he just he just can't score and he gets frustrated and loses. I'm not even putting Aaron Gordon on that list. I don't know how no, you feel. I, 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 he was not on that list when I was rattling names off. He's, 
I mean, maybe he can go for like 25 in a game, and we're like, oh, shit, Aaron Gordon, but he's not going to be consistent. There's going to be times where you're like, oh, I forgot he was even in the game. But I got to be honest, I think Portland might take this series. I said it was going to go seven, and Dame in a game seven? You've seen it, what, tale as old as time, twice before where he sent teams home. Dude, I, I don't want to be boring here, but I'm actually in agreement with you. I think Portland takes this series in seven. Yeah. As great as Jokic is, I just don't like the rest of that supporting cast. And if Melo has one or two games where he can get 20 to 25 off the bench, and he, he has done that in the regular season a couple times, Powell has been a really good fit for them. That's why I put him on my list as top five players in the series. I understand what Porter can do. He's still unproven to me. Uh, Jokic is not going to have the free-flowing ability of scoring and playmaking that he had in the regular season and the postseason. Absolutely. Yeah, I I think that they're going to be able to muck it up and and Dame's going to get his. It's going to be a really fun series. A couple of these series are going to be really fun. So right now, with the current circumstance, I'm looking at what that 1-8 is going to be. Right now, the Grizzlies at halftime are up 13, 62-49. I honestly, you know what? I might live bet this. I think that I, I think that Golden State's going to pull it out. Okay, so let's talk about a hypothetical Warriors-Jazz series since we're on here. The best player in the series is Steph. You, but you got Mitchell and Gobert, Conley, and then a combo of like Ingles and Bogdanovich. Yeah. I, I don't think that that series is, is really close. I, I, I kind of feel for, for Golden State there. I think that's maybe a sweep or, or maybe Steph has a heroic game and it goes five. But I actually think the more competitive series would be Grizzlies Jazz more so than Warriors Jazz. I disagree. Okay. I think Steph, if he gets in there, can win two to three games on his own. Probably two. It's an interesting one because Utah's a really good defensive team, and if they key on and key in on him, who's the next best option? Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, I agree, but I mean the Lakers tried to key in on Steph, and and the uh, but that's the thing: the teams the whole entire season have tried to key in on Steph, and it doesn't matter. True. I can't bet the money line right now, and the Warriors are minus seven and a half in the second half, and I don't want to take that, and I also don't want to take the Grizzlies plus seven because I'm rooting against them. So if the money line <laughs> pops up, I will live bet it. Okay, so the better matchup for the Jazz is well, the better matchup for the Jazz is the is the Grizzlies. Okay, Steph Curry is a bad motherfucker, and I think the and Grizzlies that- are not ready, even with Jackson coming back. I think you can sag off John Morant and dare him to shoot, and it might fuck his brain up a couple times. And I just think, listen, Steph's just a Steph's a bad dude. He really is, man. I'm not discounting him in the least. I'm just thinking of what this team is. I have a question for you. I, you're more the NBA guy than I am, even though I've really gotten into it over the last few years, especially since we've been doing the podcast. But 196, coming up on 200. Oh, it's fucking awesome. Is there a single one seed that's been more disrespected than the Utah Jazz? Mm, interesting. I, I, I Recent memory, no. I mean, you had those We Believe Warriors, but I think the Mavs going into that series were pretty well respected. Um, I mean, they were universally favored to win that series. I don't know how 
deep they were overall title contenders. But, I mean, nobody's even giving Utah a chance to win to really even get to, like, the Western Conference final. Including me and probably you. Exactly. That's why I said nobody. (laughs) We're all that matters. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is about Utah because I feel like even though we, well, I was too young. You're 30, so you probably remember it. But I feel like back then, even then, when you had Stockton and Malone, Utah wasn't that well respected. But they were going up against Jordan and the Bulls. Yeah, but even so, I don't think that they were that well respected out of the West. I don't know. I wasn't around during the time. I'd have to ask you. You're, you're, you know, you're a bad guy because <laughs> I obviously wasn't watching back then, and I was young, and I was in single digits as far as age. So, you know, you're you're talking to me as if I was, you know, a thirty year old man at the time. <laughs> um, I don't recall, but I do believe that the West. I mean, I know the West back then. It was it was a very wide open conference because you had the Sonics make a title run. Houston. Uh, Houston. You had Phoenix that year with Charles. So I don't believe that it was like, hey, you're just going to waltz to a final. But I I really can't think of a team that's been as good as Utah's been where it's just like, you got no chance. Well, with Mitchell being compromised, and I just think Gobert in a lot of series, when we're looking ahead, because just to, just to get this one out of the way, Warriors or Memphis, I still think Utah pulls out this series. Um, I, I would assume you agree with me. Yes. Um, so we'll get that out of the way. Uh, Utah win, I'll say in six regardless. Um, it's just when you're, when one of your top, what do you think? Top two players on the team, he might make all NBA this year. He has in the past are seemingly unplayable in certain series. That's just not good. No, it isn't. And that's kind of been their problem, and I and I understand. Well, it's a juxtaposition the, because he's he's great. He's, I mean, he's been All NBA multiple times. I think he's a two time reigning Defensive Player of the Year. He's great, but when you pay a guy a max contract, you know, basically saying you're a championship player, and then he's all but useless in certain series. That's that's tough. Yeah, I was just gonna say that's the conundrum that they run into is. One of your bet, one of your two best players is unavailable late because of his lack of offense, and I can understand the disrespect that they get. I was kind of just playing it, you know, extemporaneously as far as what is this? How weird is it to have a team that's been this dominant in the season be this disrespected? But you know, you have it's a number very seven weird seed. Because you have a number seven seed that's the reigning champs. It's very weird, but the whole exactly the whole year has been incredibly weird, especially on the Western Conference side, more than the Eastern Conference side. Uh, the Eastern Conference, I'd say, is a little more chalky, but uh, yeah, the Western Conference has been out of whack all year. Um, and I think Utah has been taking this disrespect all year. Like, throughout the year, obviously they've been great. They've only lost 20 games total, and never once did I ever say, like, watch out for Utah. You know who they remind me a lot of? The Oakland A's. Mm, that's a good point. Oakland A's could win damn near 100 games, and we'll still never pick them to win a championship. <laughs> we may never even pick them to win, like, the ALDS. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's a good. That's a good pick. Kind of that, like you know, 
you're kind of a cast off franchise that not a lot of people think about and we'll see you when we see you yeah and you know what i i think it's one of those things where it goes the end in the nba it's like individual players as well um once you win it, then you're going to get the respect. Like, if they win the title this year, I think it'll completely change that franchise forever. Like, I was thinking about Kyle Lowry. Like, look at DeMar DeRozan. The guy averaged 20 points a game. Maybe this year he even did so for, like, 10 years straight in the NBA. He was a perennial all-star, all-NBA player. And the dude gets no respect. And before this, before their title run, that was Kyle Lowry. Now Kyle Lowry's a, a dog, he's a consummate winner, this, that, and the third. Nobody was saying that shit just before he won the title, you know? Yeah, it's and crazy if Kawhi how wasn't there, he never would have been. Yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy how one ring did that for him. Like, imagine how we'd be talking about DeRozan had it been him that was on that title team as opposed to Kyle Lowry. But you know what you just did? You just made the entire argument for all the players that title chase because this is why you're thought of in a different light. Think of a guy like James Harden. He could have been more than happy putting up the historic numbers he was in Houston. He wanted to go to Brooklyn because he thought he could win a championship. If you have James Harden champion next to his, next to his name and he's got a ring to show for it, yeah, we might talk about how he got it. But you can never take it away. From no, him. and and I agree with that argument. You know, I, I didn't intentionally make it, but but I do agree with that argument. We just we're guilty of it. Everybody's guilty of looking at players comp- completely different. A thousand percent. And the only player who I feel like it doesn't change for is Kevin Durant. And it's weird. Because I think he's one of the all-time greats. I think everybody that has a brain and watches basketball does. But he expects us, everybody to love him. And it's like, you know where you were loved and 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 was the greatest guy ever? Seattle and Oklahoma City. So if you're going to go anywhere else, what do you expect? But that's, that's the problem with... There's a difference between the fans that look at players a certain way and that writers or voters for the hall of fame or actually credentialed individuals which you and i should be at some point Mm -hmm, we'll Uh, get there yeah exactly uh we'll look at players because i don't think anybody with a brain like you said will look at kevin durant and look at him any less for what he did but fans will say well, you know, you left Oklahoma City, you went to a final when you were young, you should have stayed there, you, you choked in the Western Conference final, you joined the team that beat you, not only was it the team that beat you, but it was a historically great team, you win twice there, great, and now you go to Brooklyn instead of the Knicks, the second team. I kind of think there's a little bit of that Kawhi in there, because let's not forget Kawhi was traded to the Raptors, he didn't choose to go there. But then he goes to the Clippers, he doesn't go to the Lakers, and I bet there's a lot of people that think, well, hey, you know what? You don't want the smoke. You don't want to. You don't want to go to the team. And I think, despite the hate that LeBron I view it has, as the opposite for Kawhi. I'm <laughs> just like, good for yeah. you it's going with your own team, not wanting to play with LeBron. Like that's awesome. But I think there's a lot of people that look at LeBron and say, no matter how much they may hate him, they say, let's see, you went to the Heat, you joined that team. Okay, fine. You went back to the Cavaliers. You won Cleveland a championship, and then you go to L.A., but not the Clippers, 
you go to the Lakers where there is a there is a standard there to win, and in your second year you do it. And and I think to to a lot of people, Kev, KD, he didn't do that. Oh, I I hear you on that argument, but I mean, if we're going back to Kawhi, like. The fact that he took a, a, a middling Raptors team that seemed to be great in the regular season and could never do anything and drag them to a championship was insane. It really was. I think it's more what he did after that, where people will say, well, you didn't stay, and then it's like, oh, you go to the second team. Hey, okay. well, listen, I, that's not how I feel. I don't think that's how you feel, but I do see that argument, and I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong, too. That's why I'm not making it for myself. I'm just putting it I out gotcha. there that I know that's a narrative. All right, let's talk PGA, Tom, because we got the PGA Championship this week, and we're Friday in now. So check in with us. Talk talk to us about where we're standing here and who you have picked to uh, finish up this weekend. Absolutely. PGA, the Kiowa Island Ocean Course, all in all, the apparently one of the hardest courses to play in the world. The hardest course to play in America, um, just based off it being on the ocean, the wind, the setup of the course, just it's, I don't think I'll ever want, even if I'm, you know, even if we make it big and we're the richest people on earth, I don't think I'll ever want to play this course because it's like, (laughs) you might as well just say to me, Tom, do you want to have a full on panic attack mental breakdown today? Because that might top. Do you want to have a full-on yeah. panic attack, mental breakdown? Exactly. You could either ask me that, or you could say, "Hey, do you want to play the Ocean Course of Kiowa?" And it's asking the same question. <laughs> but with that being said, um, it has been interesting. Phil Mickelson is tied for the lead after two rounds at minus five. Wow. This is incredible stuff. And you know what? This is a second shot course. I feel like we say that all the time with the PGA, but it takes a lot of creativity. And there's nobody more creative than Phil. And he may end up in some peculiar places off the tee, but he always seems to find that magic. He's like an artist out there. A um, couple, other, couple other guys that I'm happy to see up here. Brooks, you know, he's one of my boys. You know, oh, he yeah. is one of my guys. I don't know if you want me to just to remind everybody. I'll rattle off the list. It's who is it? Brooks Kepka. Oh, hey, he's there. Brooks Kepka, Tony Finau, Tommy Fleetwood, Max Homa, um, Zach Blair, and I threw in and I've added Scotty Scheffler and a fringe guy to be added to my team. I know I'm going way over a foursome here, but a fringe guy that's making their way onto my team, Will Zalatoris. Yeah, but with that being said, Brooks is right there. He's tied for, he's one stroke back at minus four. So that knee is clearly looking better, rocking a little bit of a goatee. I like what he's doing with uh, one of a competitor of ours, Barstool Sports, playing lefty against, uh, I think he calls him Porton Face, which I love. Um, (laughs) Brooks looks really good, but just to throw you a foursome, it's going to be a different, I, I can't, I can't not pick guys that are that are in the lead and have made the cut you know what i mean like i I, this might be a little bit outside of what my original four would have been but uh that's what you do i can't i can't lie to you it's what i do what are you trying to say sean what the fuck are you trying to say you know you're still an enemy of mine and i'm running a little hot with you so you better watch that mouth of yours um if i'm gonna take a foursome i am gonna go cam smith 
first of all. He's been around the rim a lot, Australian player, knows how to play in the wind. The wind is going to shift at some point, and he's going to be able to figure it out. Colin Morikawa is in my foursome. He's plus one right now, as is Cam Smith. Um, just an all-time ball striker, won this event last year. I just think he can figure out this course and kind of crack the code. Um, another guy, my guy Brooks. I mean, he's minus four. Why would I not pick him? And he's my guy. I, mean, I want something I can root for. And then finally, just to to feed into the narrative, Phil. boy. I didn't know that you still held this animosity towards me. Yeah, well, I'm a little upset. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait until Philly gets you guys in the Eastern Conference Finals. But we'll talk about that a little further down the line. Yeah, well, there's your PGA. There's your PGA Championship foursome. And uh, we're happy to have it. And it should be a fun weekend, man, especially seeing that course. It's wild shit. Yeah, it's it's a tough one, but it's also a beautiful course. Um, listen, DJ missed the cut. Oof. Glad I, he was going to be one of my picks, so I'm glad <laughs> glad we waited till Friday night to record this bad boy. Yeah, happy Friday night for you. All right, let's talk baseball because it was an interesting week. Oh, in Max Homa missed the cut. Damn it, one of my guys. Sorry. Oh no. Now see, this is this is a tough one for you, buddy. What you'll you'll be all right. Yeah, I'll be all right. Tony Finau's still in it. Tony Finau is still in it. I'm still waiting for him. Every time that I see a tournament played and he's not finishing first i'm like it's just another week so every man. single one since like 2016 because he's only one yes that's, that's in that's puerto exactly rico right. the ever easiest tournament I, ever since you started giving your foursome i've been paying attention especially to tony fee now he's, well tony's my his. tony's my honorary fifth all right that's fair and, I'm and still, uh I'm, ricky fowler's my honorary sixth i'm still looking for tony all right so mlb we got two no-hitters this week, but the one we care the most about is Corey Kluber for the New York Yankees. Two no-hitters this two. week. You say that so casually. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a second, okay? But right now, Corey Kluber, he threw his no-hitter for the Yankees. He had a rough start to the year, but he's been unbelievable since, culminating in this no-hitter. It's the first no-hitter-slash-perfect game since David Cohn in 99. It was the first one that I watched personally. And he was in command in this entire game. He only walked one guy. He got 27 of the 28 batters he faced out. And uh, it was really fucking cool to see. Let's talk about that first before we move on to the rest of the no-hitter stuff that I have a lot to say and I'm sure you have a lot to say about. But Corey Kluber, Tom, what were your emotions going through that game? Just a masterfully pitched game. You know, you see a lot of these guys overpowering, and it's just fun to see a guy that's topping at like 93, but his off-speed pitches are just all over the place, falling off the table, sliders are breaking like crazy. It was it was a masterful pitching performance. It, it, it was a masterclass of pitching, and that's what he's been doing his entire career. And it was really cool to see him. I I'll, I won't forget that curveball that he dropped into Gallo on a three-two. It was that slider curveball kind of slurve pitch that he throws that started in the right-hander's batter's box and dropped in for strike three. And I think that was in like the fourth or fifth. And I was like, yeah, we might be watching something special here. Yeah, he he had it dialed in, and. It, it's great because, you know, you see no hitters and the Yankees, like you said, they haven't gotten one since, what, 99? Mm-hmm. It's good to see us back on the board. 
It really is. I thought it was super cool, man. I mean, I was as nervous as I was for, you know, final outs of playoff games because I've seen pitchers in the Yankee uniform look like they were going to throw one. I'll never forget that Mucina game against Boston in 01 where he was one strike away from a perfect game. And I was really young then, despite how old you think I am. Were you like 15? Yeah, I think like 19. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he was he was masterful in that game. CC had games where it looked like he had no-hit stuff. Um, and to see this just happen with a guy like Corey Kluber who tormented the Yankees for years, to do it for them, I, I didn't feel a connection like I might have if it was one of their young guys, but at the same point, it really didn't matter. It was one of the best pitchers in baseball who – might be one of the best finds in baseball when the season's uh, finally over. Absolutely. So you didn't feel a connection, so you didn't feel like you wanted to kiss him or anything? No, I didn't have that <laughs> kind of sentiment. Uh, I didn't feel like I wanted to you know, drive four and a half hours to the ballpark and give him a big open kiss. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, that's true. It wasn't Texas, so you could have made your way. And imagine you were there, Sean. You could have been there. I could have been there, but I also couldn't have been. It's like four and a half hours away. Oh, that's not that far. That's like from here to, I don't know. Dude, that's for, Honestly, on a Friday commute, that's basically from downtown Manhattan to here for me. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> that's a fair point. My buddy was texting me earlier. He was like, well, I'm on hour number two from Stanford to Ridgefield on the Merit. I was like, yeah, I don't miss those days. But no, man, it's brutal. It's brutal, yes. and everything's opening back up. And oof. Yeah, it's uh, it's back to how it was, and uh, those days don't seem that far away. Uh, I'll tell you this, Highway 35 in Texas, that's no, uh, that's no walk in the park either. It, it's pretty fucking shitty, especially when it starts raining. It's almost as if people have never seen rain before. But let's talk no I thought that was a California thing, but I guess it's a Texas thing too. It's a Texas, Texas thing, too. thing too, which is weird as shit because it does rain here plenty, so I don't know what the fuck they're doing. I, I brought my Northeast driving attitude down here, and it, it's a problem for them, but not for me until they get in my way. <laughs> this no-hitter thing is definitely an issue, man, because I'm counting this as the seventh. I know you and I talked the Mad Bum no-hitter. That was a no-hitter, right? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say is he was at like 99 pitches, so they might have pulled him. But at the end of the day, there was no hits given up in the game, so there was seven. And they said the game was only a seven-inning game. Yeah, they established that before the the fucking game started. We knew that. Exactly. So I I count this as seven. And the night before, Spencer Turnbull of the Detroit Tigers no-hit the Mariners. By the way, what I find is very interesting is there's only three teams that have been no-hit this year, but all three of them have had it twice. The Indians, Mariners, and Rangers. So is this... Has it lost luster for you? I have my thoughts on it, but I kind of want to get your thoughts on it first because I was super ecstatic when Kluber threw it because it was a Yankee no-hitter, but other no-hitters, I'm kind of like, yeah, that was cool. How about you? Yeah, same. I mean, I was happy that Kluber threw it, but again, it doesn't have the same luster, and I think just chalk it in with how weird it is to – you know, how weirded out LeBron was with actual fans there. It's just sports are weird right now. Um, I think excluding football just because it's such an intense sport, it's just weird. And I think, honestly, baseball's fucking up. They really are. In what ways? Because there's plenty, but what ways are you saying? Um, in the point that it all comes back to you want to grow the game, 
and there's no excitement in the game and the exciting things that actually happen are becoming so much more frequent that they're not even exciting anymore and it's tied into so many goddamn things now they're talking about and we talk about we talked about this last week so I don't want to, I don't know if it's politically correct to say, but beat a dead horse. I don't know if I can still say that in 2021, but I said it. may not be politically correct. You might have upset, you know, some other groups, but I yeah. think you're fine. Sorry, ASPCA or whatever group that is. I have lovely dogs. <laughs> I love all of them. Um, but with that being said, like... I don't, I don't want to kill this, but, like, you're talking about fucking lowering the mound and this, that, and the third. And it, you just deaden the ball so that hitters got worse. Now you're going to make pitchers worse to try and meet in the middle. What the fuck are we doing? And I understand from an analytics standpoint that you don't give a fuck about adding new fans when you're in that department on the team or whatever because all you give a shit about is winning games. I get that. But, I mean, Jesus Christ almighty, if I could see another guy that looks like he's 140 pounds soaking wet and that he hasn't hit a home run since, you know, the it was 220 down the line in Little League, swinging for the fences, Jesus Christ almighty. Like, I'm just going to use Tyler Wade as an example, and I did last week too because he's on the Yankees. But how much do you think his fucking on-base percentage would go up for all these analytics nerds if he just tried to slap at the fucking ball and got, I don't know, maybe an infield single a week or something like that or just maybe cause a few errors because the guy at third or shortstop was fumbling the ball because he's so goddamn fast instead of swinging for the fences every single fucking time and I get it there's a time and a place Josh Donaldson or fucking David Ortiz or or Aaron Judge yeah they should swing for the fences every single time but not every that there's a time and a fucking place and you're it's not ruining wrong. everything you're not wrong and that's an absolute component to it there's a lot that goes into this i mean i understand the fact that pitchers have taken advantage of all the new technology and whatever and the spin rate is up on the fastball and 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 the ball's moving more than ever and the average pitcher the average pitch thrown now is like 95 miles per hour as opposed to 91 or whatever which is a massive jump and you raise your eyebrow now if somebody throws under 95 miles an hour like they're fucking uh, Tim Wakefield or something. But, I mean, there's, like, players can hit on a 100-mile-an-hour fastball if they're trying to make contact as opposed to hit, swinging for the fences. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. And I was just going to say, that's one of the many components. There's a lot of others that go into this. And the, and the game of baseball, which has been around for 140 years has to kind of relegate itself. I mean, you have gen, you know, young players brought up to teach them launch angle. There was a time, and, and I know you make fun of me for the fact that I'm old, <laughs> and that's fine. I don't give two shits. But you, you're, you're not that much younger than me, and you watched a Yankees team – that used to put the ball in play a lot. I mean, you had power hitters, but they also always hit 275, 280, and they would situationally hit. I'm not saying that you got to lay a I'm just down if you're the number four hitter. Agreed. But this and is not what they do anymore. I'm just, I'm just begging for a happy medium, man. Like, 
Like, you don't, like, the launch angle thing, I get it if you want to instruct that, but, like, you don't have to go back to where, you know, your little league coach was telling you, like, hit down on the ball, this, that, and the third. Like, I, I get that. That's kind of asinine. Especially if you're being paid to hit bombs. No, uh, but there's guys on the Yankees that shouldn't be, and on every other team, that shouldn't be being paid to hit bombs. Because they're not, but they think that they should. And the other issue is, and and to kind of excuse the hitters a little bit here, is as as far back as like 2007, 2008, when we were like in our heyday of like really getting into the team, the middle relievers were fucking awful. And even if you had a great closer on your team, you had to get to two or three pitchers before them if you knocked the starter out to get there. Yeah, and I don't, Every I don't understand. Now, I mean, look at look. I watched Gary Sanchez tonight, right? Gary Sanchez, he faced Carlos Rondon who threw a no hitter, and it would have been a perfect game if he didn't hit a guy in the back foot on a on a slider with one out in the ninth. You know, six weeks ago, so he strikes out twice against him. Your reward for getting him out of that. Is fucking Michael Kopech <laughs> who throws one hundred and two off off the mound with a ninety mile an hour slider? Like, no wonder guys can't hit. You're not getting these like, you know, kind of halfway decent pitchers. So it's a combination. Yeah, there's no Aaron home run Heilman running out from the, from the Mets bullpen anymore. A thousand percent. So you're dealing with the the hitter's philosophy, which is. Let's try to drive the ball out of the ballpark because the likelihood of us stringing together a collection of hits, which is what Aaron Boone says every year heading into the playoffs as this team is constructed, is the likelihood of us hitting great pitching for four, five, six straight hits is very little. So we need guys that are going to do damage with the combination of pitchers who are throwing the ball better with better spin rates, spin rates than ever before, plus relief pitchers that you get no break from the middle relievers. I mean, look at Jonathan Loisaga might be a sixth or seventh inning guy. Dude throws a hundred miles an hour with like two great up speed pitches. Like, how do you hit that if you're They're a just, And I don't know what happened. Maybe position players just decided to become pitchers, not to mention, I mean, you see it even all over Instagram, just these velo training things and whatever. Like, every pitcher now, like, if you don't throw in fucking high school 95-plus, there's no shot. None. And, and every pitcher coming out of the pen, it's like the Yankees. And this is the other thing, to go back into the Yankees, because, Sean, I don't think you and I are going to, unless you have a solution for me with this, because detoning the ball seems to have made things worse to try and give the pitchers an advantage and loosening mm-hmm. the seams, clearly, because they have a better grip and the spin rate is going up. Now, mm-hmm. now they want to lower the mound. Before you know it, we're going to be watching fucking, uh, you know, they're going to be playing with uh, wiffle ball bats. You know what I mean? And and this is 1960. We weren't alive in 1968. This is 1968 right now. Yeah, and, and that was what the big Gibson year. That was the year of the pitcher before they lowered the mound heading into the '69 season. Yeah. Yeah, and I 1.1 mean, ERAs. It's just it's depressing because of the fact that I there is no it doesn't seem like there's a solution in sight because what well, are you going to do? 
Because you know what the thing is? The incentive for the pitchers is to get your spin rate up, get your velo up, which makes sense because you know what? They are better. But the incentive for the hitters is to hit home runs. So why would either side stop doing that? Well, the, the worst part is is that Rob Manfred, your boy, isn't allowing this game to you know relegate itself. I mean, baseball is a sport that has always kind of figured itself out, right? I mean, you yeah. had... A hundred plus years ago, you had the dead ball era where, you know, home run Baker hit, I think, nine or ten in a year. And it was, you know, uncharted territory. And then Babe Ruth was hitting more home runs than any other team. And then you start getting guys like Hank Greenberg and Lou Gehrig. And then you start going through the line. But still, still guys were putting the ball in play. And even up until the last few years, I mean, you had guys that were consistently high 200 hitters and low 300 hitters with power. I mean, just think of the Yankees, Teixeira, McCann, Granderson. These are all guys that were hitting, you know, they were line-to-line, gap-to-gap hitters that turned into 45 home run guys with no average at all. And now pitching has gotten even better and the next evolution of baseball has to be taken care of. But I think Manfred and the rest of the, you know, rules people and, and that committee is going to try to take care of it before it even starts. And if you try to move the mound back, fuck you. You're, you're, we've already seen the <laughs> incredible amount of injuries to pitchers. You, you throw the mound back 10 feet my fucking god can you imagine the injuries that are going to happen to pitchers then like yeah. why do you even have the pitching position at that point you might as well just bring in position players at that at, at that rate put a machine up there it, it's it's crazy man it, it baseball is not in a good place and, and it sucks because i love the no hitter and i've always thought no hitters are great and the point i was going to make real fast and I, I don't mean to cut you off but i want you to make yours in a second but the the no hitter to me is a very kind of subjective thing i mean i've seen great no hitters like Corey kluber's and you know carlos rondones and others that were less dominant than some of the best pitching performances i've ever seen like a roger clemens 21 strikeout game or or a pedro game or shit, man, even some of the other no-hitters are like an A.J. Burnett walks nine guys or Edwin Jackson throws 150 pitches and throws a no-hitter. Those aren't that impressive. The others are. But now I'm just like, I don't know what to think because even the good ones seem to be relegated. I'm sorry I went on a tangent, but now it's your turn. That's okay, man. And and I completely agree with you. From From a fan of the game that's already a fan, it's terrible because, again, we don't we don't really care about about the no hitters and then from gathering fans of fans uh, i listened to a podcast i think it was on simmons with um what's his face the fucking uh theo epstein and he said the two most exciting plays in baseball are the triple and the double <laughs> i couldn't even tell you the last time i saw a fucking triple and you're trying to grow the game and, and you can't even see anything entertaining do you understand how boring a baseball game is to watch sean I do because I, whenever I'm home, I can watch. I watch Yankees games, and I swear to God, I can watch ten YouTube videos in between anything good that happens. Yeah, 
and that's, that's not a fucking very good. Fair ratio. Where, whereas even in golf, because they're bouncing back and forth, or any of the other major sports, I don't even have to mention them. If you look away for a second, you could have missed a crazy dunk or or a three that you that Curry puts up that you've never seen anything like it before. Or football, you miss a pick six. This, that, and the third. I don't want to ramble, but baseball, it's just like, oh my fucking god. Between well, you know what. Go ahead, you know what Sean. sucks about? I was just gonna say, you know what sucks about that man is the things that you used to wait around for and not throw YouTube videos on during are now normal, and they used to be cool. Yeah, well, it's yeah, exactly. It's the combination of the re- baseball, the, everything becoming not cool. I mean, obviously, I watched the Kluber one cover to cover because it was a Yankee, but the rest of them, I'll tune in and throw it on while I'm on my phone because of how fucked the hitting and the pitching has got. And then that combined with just how boring baseball's become for for someone trying to get into the game. You're a thousand percent right. And it, it's really frustrating because as a baseball fan that I am and I know you are, and that's kind of why we came together to do this pod was we our love for baseball and kind of talking the intricacies of the sport, the things that used to captivate you don't captivate you anymore because they're so normal. And and you would watch it, and even a great pitching performance. I mean, like a game like tonight, right? Like Rondon struck out, I think, 14 Yankees, and Monty had 11. I mean, that was a game 10 years ago that you would look at and be like, oh, my God, this is incredible. This is commonplace now. Absolutely. And to be honest... I think Trout's a lot of fun, but I don't think he has a lot of cachet. I think there's probably three guys as of right now in this season single-handedly keeping baseball in the news, and that's Acuna, Soto, and the guy who I crowned as MVP last year, but he's clearly MVP this year, Shohei, the god, Otani. (laughs) Yeah, Otani's. He is, uh, I I don't know what words words I can even use Words cannot describe. No, you're right. You really can't. What else is catching your eye from around the league, brother? That's it from the positive side, man. I really, I have nothing for you. I'm in a super depressed place when it comes to to baseball. Aaron Hicks is getting surgery on his wrist for a torn tendons sheath. So I think he's done probably for the year. Um, Yeah, you mentioned that last time, that it was a similar injury to Teixeira, and he's probably Mm -hmm. done forever. Well, at that point, at least they were thinking, hey, let's rehab him. It's not happening now. They've, they've been in talks with the Rangers for Delano DeShields Jr. You that know might who be the Yankees could have needed? And I'm sorry I keep interrupting you. I'm just heated. I'm happy that you do. Go. <sighs> I, I think you and I are going to be on the same page with this name, so I want you to say it first. You know who the Yankees could have really needed? Who's that, Tom? Mike fucking Talkman. Yep. <laughs> Now listen, and I talked to Michaela about this. She's on the same page as well as a big Yankees fan. Why? Why, why, why did we re-sign Brett Gardner when we could have kept that spot open for a cheaper and a younger and a better Mike Talkman who would have been playing every single day in center field? Had we not done that, then we would have never had to trade him for a Willie Peralta who we just talked about. Listen, Willie Peralta's actually been pretty fucking good. Okay, fine. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not excusing the trade. The way but he has been listen good, the so way the way pitchers him. are coming out of the fucking woodwork like never before. Give me three months and I'll be throwing lefty ninety five. 
I'm Put just me saying in a V-Lo that program. you can't be like we got a bum who's down in double A right now. Been no, he's been fine, but he's not what we need right now. Well, we need everybody right now because we need Mike fucking Talkman. I agree with you. Bad move. I, bad, bad, bad move I'm by not, the Yankees. Listen, two two this, prong bad move. Gardner re-signing, who clearly can't play center field every single day at this point in his career to a high level, and then following that up, doubling down on that by trading Talkman. I I'm gonna separate the two it was a bad move to re-sign Gardner I didn't want Gardner back he's had a great Yankee career his intangibles are wonderful his clutch hits his moments run back the highlight reel he's been a great Yankee but you don't need him now but the second that they brought him back you knew Talkman was done and our boy I'm gonna say ours because I love him too Clint Frazier's been dog shit this year Mm -hmm. on top of that You've also got Aaron Hicks, who you know is injury-prone. This is kind of a weird injury. It's not one of those soft-tissue ones. You feel for him, but at the same point, it's Aaron Hicks. He's going to get hurt. Judge is in and out of the lineup. Yeah, but that's the reason why you keep a guy like Tyler. I I understand that. I I don't defend the Gardner resigning, but I do defend the Talkman trade because if you bring Gardner back, there's no room for him, so you might as well get something for him. And they got a lefty reliever who, when Britain's hurt and – fucking Justin Wilson can't get guys out is actually been a pretty high leverage guy and has pitched well. So they've gotten something for him. You saw Cameron Maben. He just went to the Mets yesterday or two days ago. Would have loved to have him back. Mm. You don't know what's going to happen. Talkman should be a Yankee and he should be playing every day, but his fate was sealed when they re-signed Gardner. If you're going to trade him, you might as well get something back. That's good. Peralta has been good. Two things are separate in my opinion. <clears throat> well, you're you're not being as spiteful as I am. I, I respect you for trying to keep your composure because the Yankees are playing well. And Delano de Shields, okay. I'd rather if we're gonna do it's it. A let's, what? It's a band aid. It's a band aid. Let's get more than a band aid. Let's go get Joey Gallo. Well, he doesn't play center field. I don't care. Put Judge. I, <laughs> at this point, I don't care. He plays right field. He's got a fucking cannon, and he drops tanks. <laughs> He does. I still like. And your, he's lefty. Uh, I still like your Anthony Rizzo. Well, that's a that's a, that's a very realistic trade. I don't think the the Rangers are building around Gallo, or at least attempting to. So at I don't least think attempting that's, to. I don't think that's realistic. But yeah, Rizzo, man, oof, that's a spicy, been rough. spicy trade. Tyon has been rough. I think he might be able to figure it out in the second half, but he has been. Bad, but I mean, who am I to say? I was bitching about Corey Kluber after his first two starts, and the guy's been lights out ever since. Yeah, but Corey Kluber has a resume. Tyon really doesn't. Fair. Fair. I have no so. arguments. I have no rebuttals. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm like, at least Kluber has you know a couple Cy Youngs under his belt to figure it out. Tyon seems to have a lot of Michael Pineda, Nathan Navaldi, Yankee version, and uh, Sonny Gray and um, you know Javi Vasquez in him, which I don't know. Who's love. the guy that went to the Twins? Oh, fuck. Was it Chad? He went to the Twins and pitched well after the Yankees? Uh, oh, Phil Hughes? No, no. The guy before that, what was his name? It started with a P. Well, Pineda. No, he's... God, I can't remember his name, but he was like an all-time big Yankee signing. Like, 
a Randy Johnson or a Kevin Brown signing, and then he sucked for us. Can't remember his name. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's been a lot of them, which I think is the unfortunate part. Is they, God, that's they gonna kill seem me. to trade for guys or sign guys. I, I, I see Sonny Gray, Michael Pineda. Less Sonny Gray because at least he was pretty established when he was with the A's. But you look at a guy like Pineda and Evaldi, I mean, they just never really had great numbers, but their potential was there. And the Yankees trade for them, and they just don't pan out. And I'm not going to say that that's what Tyon's going to be. But, man, I, the, here's the thing, and you, you know this looking at pitching, Tom. He doesn't get guys out when there's two strikes. That's a problem. Major. He has no problem. Got to shut getting... the door. What's that? I said you got to shut the door. What do you mean? When you're pitching with two yeah. strikes. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> yes. I was like, well, I I didn't know what analogy you were using, but yeah, two strikes. At least get him out. I don't care if you strike the guy out, but you got to get the out. I can't tell you how many two-strike counts ahead in the count that Tyon gets where the guy gets a hit or a big hit. Oh, absolutely. I I don't even know what to say. Does he have to go down? I don't know. I don't think he can. I think you got to keep running him out there. But Seve, I think, is due back within the next month or month and a half. No, so they're going to baby him like there's no tomorrow. Oh, sure. But you got Debbie in the minors. I mean, this isn't a guy that you have to continue to throw because at some point you got to win. You got to seize this division if you could possibly get it. They haven't even played the Red Sox yet, dude. I know that doesn't happen until what? July? June? Yeah, I think like the second week of June they play each other. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, and that's who you're chasing, right? Yeah, right now the Red Sox, they've been playing really well. I hate to say it, and I keep waiting for them to come down to earth, but they played well. Rays trade Willie Adamas today to the uh, to the Brewers. Carl Pavano. Ah, there you go. Started Carl with Pavano. A C. Started but with again, a C. again, he was at least established when he was a Marlin. Like, he was getting, like, he was, he was kind of the Sonny Gray version. I'm talking about guys that, haven't really accomplished a lot, but their upside is good. Yeah, I agree with you. I just think the Yankees should stop uh, trying to find lightning in a bottle and develop these pitchers that have good analytics and just go for proven guys because clearly you guys can't get them to the next level. Max Scherzer, pinstripes. Nice, right? Ooh, Sean. I'm still wearing pants. Stop it. <laughs> That's my fall out of it, man. They're not a great team. They've yeah. won a championship. We Max talked about Scherzer, this on the pod last time. A little White Sox when they traded Robertson and Canely, do a little two for a million prospects and throw a little I Kyle Schwarby. <laughs> Kyle, oh, Kyle Schwarby in there? Is that a one year deal? Nice. Yeah. I was going to say, well, they also traded Frazier in that deal. I was going to say, don't give me any of their relievers. I think that they win. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking position guys. No, I want Schwarber. I wouldn't mind it, and uh, I think Cashman's had his eye on him for a long time. But uh, we're yeah, we're like two and a half months out from trade deadline, so it's going to be interesting to see, man. But right now, I mean, like you said, they won again today. They're winning with pitching, which is an absolutely staggering statement to make as a Yankee fan. 
Yeah, but you know what? Who cares? They're winning at the end of the day. Do I think it's sustainable that they're winning with pitching and not offense as they're winning games 2-1 to one against the White Sox? No, but take them where we can get them, right? Absolutely, man. Basketball playoffs tomorrow. Did we'll you see Wander Franco, the number one prospect in baseball, was traded today? And no one no, cares he... about it because no one cares about baseball. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was. Wander Franco? Yep. For who? Uh, two Braves pitchers. Braves? Oh, just kidding. They traded Willie Adamas. My bad. That's what I said. They traded Willie Adamas to the Brewers. Yeah, my bad. My bad. Sorry, I got yeah, the two confused. I mean, whoa, I was going to say. Wait, wait a second. You're breaking news. I already <laughs> mentioned the Willie Adamas trade kind of just in passing. Yeah, now I remember. This year. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, false alarm. Not that anybody knows who that is because <laughs> nobody cares about baseball, but false alarm. If you, if you Look him up. Wander. He's a great player. If you trade Wander Franco, he's going to come up in June, and the Rays are going to do Rays things. Absolutely, especially getting a little bit more pitching, which they seem to need a little more than other years this year. Um, Last thing about baseball before we just wrap things up that I want to talk about, and I know you want to talk about because you wrote it in our notes. Sure. Um, I think you know where I'm going. Chicago White Sox saga. Oh, I'm so happy. Why Why don't you give us a quick recap of what happened? Um, for those who don't know, because again, nobody cares about baseball and they might not have been following it. And then we'll talk about it. Such a great statement by you because I was like, all right, Tom, let's go. We're ready. We're ready for NBA playoffs tomorrow. That's where my head is at. Obviously I forgot about the events that transpired, despite the fact that I wrote them down this past week. That was the, your mean Mercedes, Tony LaRussa incident in Minnesota. You mean Mercedes, who is leading the league in hitting, absolutely mashing baseballs right now. Hits a home run in a 15-4 to uh, White Sox lead over the Twins. The Twins have a pitching or a, a position player pitching. Mercedes does not take a 3-0 take sign that Larusa puts down. Hits an absolute cock shot. Rounds the bases, hits the homer. Larusa goes nuts. Talks about how he's a rookie who doesn't respect the game. The next day, uh, Tyler Duffy of the uh, of the Twins throws behind him, and Larusa doesn't back his guy at all. To me, real fast, this is what's wrong with baseball. Larusa, you shouldn't be managing baseball. I don't care what you think about disrespecting or respecting the game and the unwritten rules. Tom, you and I talked about this a lot last year. When he got hired. When when Todd well, when he got hired, but also when Tatis hit that home run in Texas on the three oh pitch when they were killing the Rangers, I believe it was. Listen, you know what's disrespecting baseball? A position player pitching in a blowout game. And when we talk about numbers and guys are up for arbitration, you know what matters? Home runs, RBIs, and their stats. Mercedes did exactly what he should have done. I don't care if he disrespected the sign. This is not the army or the military. You you went against your manager because your manager was being dumb. The manager also didn't know the rules of the extra innings a couple weeks ago, which cost your team a game. So I'm over it. Let the kids play, as the slogan says. I'm sure you have plenty of takes on this. It's bullshit. It's... Tony Russo is a, a racist, idiot, old man. 
and he is well past his prime. And he might have been drunk when he said this, to be honest with you, given his past. Sorry, I said it. I said it. I respect that. I respect I respect your statement on that. Um, And listen, for, for people out there battling that, you know, I feel for you, and I'm sorry. It's a serious thing, but Tony LaRusso is a fucking asshole. Um, and you know what? This is a fun, young team who should not be being coached by your great-grandfather. Like... This is like your grandfather in 2021 or your great-grandfather trying to give you fucking dating advice in today's dating when he's been dating your grandmother since, well, for you, since 1820, but for me since, you know, 19... You're a bad guy. You know, it just doesn't come down to anything other than a bad guy. We're having a good conversation. We're having a good conversation and you throw that in there and I don't understand why you have to do it. But I'm glad you had your laughs, and I hope that other people get their laughs too. Because you know what? It, it, I just don't understand it. But that's fine. I'll get you back. Enjoy. Yeah, continue on. It's just I like I like I said. It's like getting dating advice, 2021 dating advice from your grandfather who's been married to your grandmother since you know the Great Fucking Depression times or something. Where you know, if you told him about Tinder, he'd probably thought it was like a type of flower or something. Like this fucking guy talking about baseball like he's still coaching the athletics when in the early 90s yeah was it even earlier than that i don't even know like it was like late 80s early 90s that he was the a's manager like he's so old he doesn't brought him back because reinsdorf was mad he let him go in 1979 oh jesus christ well you know you also let fucking phil go so he owns that team too right Yes, sir. Yeah. So you got some championships. Get over it. it. This guy, he needs to go. And I think they should fire him. Just given the, I don't know what the word is, the the unrest in the clubhouse. Clearly, the people of that are closer to our age, I'm not going to make any more age jokes, don't see eye to eye with a guy who, you know, has been getting prostate exams for about 50 years now. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's bad. It's bad. And and you know what the worst part about it is, is it just stunts the growth because this team is also first place. And with him managing, you, you really can't say that is the fact that this nucleus of players peaked or that the fact that a Hall of Fame manager who within the next few weeks is going to become second all-time in managerial wins took it over. So, you know, it's it's – it's that weird you can't make a statement one way or the other on it. Uh, players might be playing in spite of him. But this is what's wrong with baseball and why it doesn't get notoriety and why we shit on it even though we love it. We've loved it for too long to not love it. But for the new people that are trying to get into it, why would you watch a fucking sport where a guy can tee up a 47-mile-an-hour pitch, which is what a position player threw. And if a kid asks, hey, why is this guy pitching? It's because, well, you know, they're trying to save the rest of their bullpen pieces because the game's over. Make a mercy rule. Change something. But the fact that position players have to pitch and then you ask the rest of the guys who are trying to hit numbers not to tee off on a guy that's not a pitcher. I mean, you want to talk about a mockery of a game. That's a mockery of a game. So change something, MLB. 
and uh, I mean seriously, Manfred, let's go. Do we? I mean, at this point, to to get down on the the launch angle, do we have to say you know like fucking softball rules? Like you can only have so many home runs. Is that what we're coming to? I mean, in games like that, yeah, you might have to, man. Because they're already cutting the game short with the extra innings and not allowing the game to continue at least into the twelfth. They're they're cutting the game short starting in the tenth with the ghost runner on second. So if you're gonna do that, you might as well just keep it going. You bring in a position player, game's over. Uh, we're not gonna play this game. The stats don't matter. You already called a game that you said was only allowed to be seven innings and you said the guy wasn't eligible for a no hitter. I mean, think about how hypocritical this game is right now. I just rattled off a bunch of situations, and I know you and our listeners are thinking, wow, yeah, this really is a fucked up situation. Yeah, it's baseball's in a world of trouble, and they need they need us. Let's, let's bring the house down and change this shit, man. Absolutely. Me and you for commissioner, co-commissioner. I'm all I'm all for it. You're the, you're the CEO, and I'm willing to to talk to everybody, and we'll we'll get everything taken care of. We're we're gonna be fine. Sounds good to me, Manfred. We are coming for you. Get the fuck out, Bob. <laughs> Bob. Okay. <laughs> wow, that was strong. Hey, I, he's ruining the game, man. I I I don't. I I'm. I always try to give the benefit of the doubt because I know some things aren't in his control. But a lot of the decisions he's made is what's accelerating this work stoppage that's inevitable in a couple of months. We've said that like we've said that so many times. It's happening. It's happening. There's no, no fucking way that this game is starting on time in 2022. There's no way. And you know what? People just keep it moving. I've really I've enjoyed the the WNBA. Liberty. That new chick out of uh, that Sabrina, new, yes, that new person, excuse me, out of uh, out of Oregon, she's a fucking killer. Yeah, INSQ, dude. She had a game winner in the season opener and then a triple double in her second game. Yeah, she's incredible. Bomb. By the way, I'm about to let me just wait for the line to get good. I'm about to live bet the Warriors. What's the score right now? Uh, 87 81 Grizzlies. Yeah, give me him. Give me him. Let me lock this in. Let me lock it in. Come on. Come on. 7.20 left in the game. Oh, you got to you gotta have Steph have a, ha, save their season with a run here, right? Yeah, that's what's going to happen, dude. It has to. It has to. Absolutely, man. Although I'm, Wiggins ain't helping with these missed jumpers. I got the game cast on ESPN right now as you and I are talking. Oh, do you? Sorry, this is, makes for bad podcasting. But the bet's in. The bet is in. Atta boy. Atta boy. <laughs> That's yeah. fine. I actually didn't have the game on until you just brought it back up. And I was like, oh, what is the score? If you're going to live bet, something must have happened because it was a, it was a bit of an ass whooping when we last. They got plenty game. of time left, and it's almost curry time. It's got to be curry time, man. I have loved what he's done this year. It's just been so cool to watch. And they're they're destined for another run with him and Clay and Draymond. Can't wait. Can't wait. You're doing your best Bart Scott imitation there? Yes, absolutely. New York's <laughs> New York's jumping right now, even with baseball in shambles. The Yankees are good. The Knicks are back. The Nets are off to the side. Stay in Brooklyn. Stay in Brooklyn. 
Uh-huh. I'm running that championship parade right down fucking Madison Avenue. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll send you a video of how empty it is. <laughs> it is funny listening to it, right? Because, like, everybody's just saying, like, oh, no one cares about the Nets. I'm like, yeah, we know that. Can you focus on your series, please? <laughs> we, we, we don't care, and we know that no one cares about us. But there's a bunch of Fairweather fans that are rocking Brooklyn jerseys. Yes, so including, the, including the, who was it, the mayor of New York? <laughs> oh, I don't want to talk about that. Ah, yeah, that's, that's your boy. <laughs> it's not my boy, and you fucking know I do not endorse him. He looks like a fucking clown. Him. He's such a clown. He, because he is one. He, he didn't even have to put on makeup to look like a clown because <laughs> he is one. But yeah, man, uh, what's everything like up there now that the capacities are opening up? I think fifteen thousand in MSG Sunday, thirteen thousand in Barclays tomorrow. Vaccinated sections. Yep. How, uh, how you hanging up there? Things are getting better, man. I mean, golf has kind of been the same. I just wish people I, – I want the world to open back up so people stop playing golf. How about that? Because <laughs> I, I don't have the – They all took it up, right? I don't have the foresight to be making tee times on weekends two weeks in advance. You know what I mean? And I want to play, and then I'm like, Jesus Christ, I can only play at, like, the shittiest course because all of the courses are taken. Like, tomorrow morning I'm playing, and we're playing at the Dutcher, which is, like, just a joke of a course. But nonetheless, Will Smith will be involved. Um, hey. Yes, he'll be there. Um, Give my best. He'll tell everybody he shot a 90. In reality, he shot a 120, just so everybody knows. Um, but yeah, New York, <laughs> he's going to get mad at me for that. Sorry, Will. That's fine. Um, if you're telling the truth, it's only hurting himself. I was down in Soho yesterday, and it was just like COVID That was a thing of the past. No masks on, walking the street, you know. Guys out in shorts and a t-shirt, girls out in sundresses. It's a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful it's sundress thing. season, baby. It's been that here for three months. Sick. Thanks for bragging. And uh, it's still a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's 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 been far less drastic here because a lot of people have been doing that for the last I don't know since I got here, but. Um, yeah, it's it's cool. It definitely makes you feel like shit is real life again that we've grown up with and that we've got accustomed to. It's it's a pretty cool deal, man. Happy to come out of it still alive so far, knock on wood. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, man. Glad to hear it. So, playoff basketball starts tomorrow. Nets on primetime against the Celtics. Knicks... Uh, seven o'clock, I believe, or seven thirty Eastern on Sunday night. The real prime time. The Hawks on TNT. The real prime time. There you go. And we'll be back early next week to recap the early set of games. I cannot wait for it, man. With both of our teams in it and legitimate chances, obviously Nets have title on their mind. The Knicks have first round defeat of the hawks on their mind i think this is just going to be really fun couple weeks dude can't wait man all right everybody we'll talk to you soon tom great talking to you buddy yes sir you too let's go next